was a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Surely hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. That's the man of sorrows. This time, let us uh, now turn to our passage for consideration in light of our having the Lord's Supper. It is one on the topic of the Lord's Supper. So please turn at this time to 1 Corinthians 10, 1 through 17, which I'll read. 1 Corinthians 10, 1 through 17. Hear God's word. <clears throat> Moreover, brethren, I would not that ye should be ignorant how that all our fathers were under the cloud and all passed through the sea and were all baptized unto Moses in that cloud and in the sea and did all eat the same spiritual meat and did all drink the same spiritual drink for they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them and that rock was Christ. But with many of them God was not well pleased, for they were overthrown in the wilderness. Now these things were our examples, to the intent we should not lust after evil things, as they also lusted. Neither be ye idolaters, as were some of them. As it is written, the people sat down to play and drink and rose up. I'm sorry, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. Neither let us commit fornication, as some of them committed, and fell in one day three and twenty thousand. Neither let us tempt Christ, as some of them also tempted, and were destroyed of serpents. Neither murmur ye, as some of them also murmured, and were destroyed of the destroyer. Now all these things happen unto them for examples, and they are written for our admonition. Upon whom the ends of the world are come. Wherefore let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. There hath no temptation taken you but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape, that you may be able to bear it. Wherefore, my dearly beloved, flee from idolatry. I speak as to wise men, judge ye what I say. The cup of blessing which we bless, is it not the communion of the blood of Christ? The bread which we break, is it not the communion of the body of Christ? For we, being many, are one bread and one body. We are all partakers of that one bread. Stop there and have a word of prayer. So shall we pray. Father in heaven, please bless your word to our understanding that we might understand the scriptures, that we might know the will of God. And Lord, knowing it, that we might be given also added grace to do the will of God. In Christ's name, amen. supper more than a sign there's a common saying call it a definition of baptism or of uh, yes of baptism 
That's one of two sacraments. The outward sign of an inward work. The outward sign, meaning the baptism, of an inward work, meaning conversion. But can that also be said of the Lord's Supper? Because both baptism and the Lord's Supper are institutions of Christ in his church. And for the same reason, and that is this, because Jesus is in my heart, because Jesus is my Lord and Savior. However, that definition does fall short, because the Lord's Supper and baptism, which is before it, baptism first and then the Lord's Supper second or after, are both signs and seals of the covenant of grace, or what is called in Scripture also the everlasting covenant. For example, in Isaiah 55, 3, Isaiah 55, 3, you may turn to it if you want. It's what we bring our Bibles for. <laughs> Incline your ear and come unto me, Hear, and your soul shall live. And I will make an everlasting covenant with you. There it is. Even the sure mercies of David. The everlasting covenant, meaning the eternal everlasting covenant, which is God's, was signed and sealed in blood. Even the blood of the mediator of that everlasting covenant according to Hebrews 13, 20, and 21. Hebrews 13, 20, and 21. So that we see that it is consistent and contiguous throughout the Bible, Old and New Testaments. Now the God of peace that brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant. Make you perfect in every good work to do his will, working in you that which is well-pleasing in his sight, through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. How many signs and seals again are we looking at? Dos, two, sorry. God has not given many visible symbols of the faith, but only two. Contrary to the teaching of some communions, like the one from which I fare, in which there are seven, and through the larger numbers, supposedly more grace, but not so. Because God has only given two. And their meanings, baptism, to bring one into union with God. Actually, Christ brings us into union with the Father. But baptism is our confessing that He is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And in our so doing, in our confessing faith in Him, we are brought into the body of Christ, the church. And so this is an initiatory sacrament to bring us into, as it were, the union of ourselves with God. And the Lord's Supper is to maintain our communion with God, our 
walk with the Lord, our fellowship with God, the Father and the Son. Because our fellowship is with the Father and with the Son, as it says in the Bible. It's like your maintenance. Now, I'm not talking about only those of you who have prescriptions, okay? I'm talking about the good maintenance of good health, such as you're eating good food and resting and exercising and, yes, even taking supplements that are organic. And I, and I emphasize that. Uh, however, this is for the soul. Baptism and the Lord's Supper are signs and seals. A sign, like the street sign Maria Avenue, stands for the street on which we live on, that is, myself and my wife and my in-laws that are with us. The seal is that Maria Avenue is our street, that we are actually living on it. Now, where does the sign and seal occur in the Bible? That's always, uh, I trust, the question that uh, is prompted from those who are inquirers. Well, if you turn to Romans 4.11, we see an example of those very words in Scripture. In Romans 4.11. And he received the sign of circumcision. Who's that? Abraham. A seal of the righteousness of of the faith which he had yet being uncircumcised, that he might be the father of all them that believe, though they be not circumcised, that righteousness might be imputed unto them also. In other words, he received this sign of circumcision. Yes, circumcision is a sign, although it's no longer a valid sign today. So you don't have to be circumcised as a sign of the covenant, okay? Nor do you have to partake of the Passover either, because that's also been replaced as well by, by this. So he received the sign, and especially the seal of the righteousness of faith, before he was even circumcised. So the circumcision followed his receiving the actual seal, sign and seal, which is, well, the seal is, is what is spoken of here which is what? The righteousness of the faith. The righteousness of faith in the coming Redeemer, the Messiah, the Christ, the Son of the living God. He had that well before he was circumcised in his family. At least that is the men of the family. Which is to say that faith always precedes the sign. And assures and secures the seal. Show me where the Lord's Supper itself is assigned in the New Testament. So let us now turn to Luke 22, 19 and 20. Luke 22, 19 and 20. I remember my old pastor says, used to say, I like to hear those leaves rustling. <laughs> Challenge, okay? Luke 22. Because you want to make sure that what I'm telling you is the, is the right scoop. Because I'll tell you what, I could be misreading the scripture. I already did it today. 
once, okay? <laughs> Want to keep me on track. Luke 22, 19 and 20. And he took bread and gave thanks and break it and gave unto them, saying, This is my body which is given for you. This do in remembrance of me. Likewise also the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the New Testament, better yet, New Covenant. That's the word there. The New Covenant in my blood, which is shed for you. Show me where the Lord's Supper itself is a sign in the New Testament. The sign is this. When the Lord instituted the Lord's Supper in that first Lord's Supper, there in that borrowed upper room, and when he said, what's that on the table? And of course what was on the table was the bread, the matzo crackers, and the wine. This is a sign. This is my body. This is my blood. Now show me how the supper is a seal as well that is for one to make it his own. When Jesus told them to eat and to drink. And when he said, drink, drink all of it. Don't waste any. Now, you're probably wondering, oh, that's good, but it doesn't quite, it's not something I can latch on to, okay? Well, if you turn to the Heidelberg Catechism question 75, which I have right here in front of me, I'll, I'll read it to you. It asks the question, how is it signified, sign, and seal, seal, to you in the Holy Supper that you partake of the one sacrifice of Christ on the cross and all his benefits. Thus, that Christ has commanded me and all believers to eat of this broken bread and to drink of this cup in remembrance of him and has joined therewith these promises. First, that his body was offered and broken on the cross for me and that his blood was shed for me as certainly as I see with my eyes. That's the sign. That's the sign. That I see with my eyes the bread of the Lord broken for me and the cup communicated to me. And further, that with his crucified body and shed blood, he himself feeds and nourishes my soul to everlasting life. That's the seal. And you cannot have that seal if you don't have Christ. You cannot have that seal if you don't have the Holy Spirit. If you're still dead in trespasses and sins, no matter if your mind is in line to this truth and you know it's the truth and you see the sign, and even if you partake of it unworthily, because you don't know the one of whom this is all about. But is the Lord's Supper automatically a sign and seal for everyone who partakes? I sort of jumped the gun again, okay? Sorry. Well, I'll go through with it. For example, what if a stranger walks off the street and somehow ends up taking the elements? And this has happened even in our congregation in the past. It didn't happen after that one occasion that I recall. Uh, that I recall. Did Christ feed and nourish that stranger's soul? It's a good question, isn't it? My answer is yes and no. 
Yes, if he wasn't a stranger to God's grace. And no, if he was a stranger to God's grace. You see the difference? And you see why the effort to fence the table. And I think of fence like the, the, the sheep. Okay? I don't mean you know, lock them in, but it's like uh, railing, you know, and the, and the sheep know which way to go. Okay? That, that kind of fencing. So we, we fence the, you away from the table if you're not ready yet. If you haven't been baptized yet, for example, which is the first sacrament, which is the first ordinance, which is the first step. You've got to go ahead and do it logically. You've got to do it step one and then step two. He ate the sign, the stranger, but he missed the seal by a long shot. Why? Because a seal is an assurance that Christ bled and died for your sins so that you know when you're partaking, that you're actually partaking out of love, out of love for the one who loved you and gave himself for you. Because otherwise it becomes a work. Just like for many years I was in the system where it was a work that I had to accomplish if righteousness come by the law, Paul says, Christ is dead in vain. And so the whole event of my partaking of that means of grace is a mute point. It's lost, meaningless. In fact, it's, it's actually incurring judgment upon me who partook in such manner without knowing the Savior in my life. Other helpful thinkers on, on the subject, and I will allude to two, and one is John Calvin. And he is just a man. He's just like you and I, flesh and blood, makes mistakes. And that's why I really appreciate the diligence with which he would compensate for that, even though he would study the dutifully into the night uh, by candlelight. The next morning he would make sure that what he studied the night before was what was actually there and he would reread and restudy the same thing and also to reinforce the truth in his heart and mind. But nevertheless, this is what he said on the subject. He said, the communicant that is like you and I who are about to partake, who are qualified as it were, through the operation of the Holy Spirit, comes into spiritual contact with the entire person of Christ and is thus fed unto eternal life. There it is. <clears throat> spiritual contact. Have you had spiritual contact with Jesus? And that means even lately, if you're a child of God, because sometimes you know we, we kind of get out of things, right? Just like our relationships, you know, they get kind of, you know, <laughs> when you don't cultivate it, like your relationship with your, your nearest and dearest, it's very easy to, uh, for that to wilt like a flower when it hasn't been watered. And so uh, even the Christian, this is speaking to, even the child of God, notice that he said he has eternal life, Calvin said, and grows in it. And grows, is growing in it, let's put it that way, by the operation of the Spirit. As in our passage in 1 Corinthians 11, in verses 16 and 17, which state, 
10, sorry, 10, 16 and 17, not 11, 10. The cup of blessing which we bless, is it not the communion of the blood of Christ? Meaning that we are communing with Christ, with his work, with his blood. The bread which we break, is it not the communion of the body of Christ? We are communing with Christ through his work of his having his flesh broken on the cross, having that, that curtain, that veil of his flesh rent on the cross. We are communing with him as if we were there in the flesh, although we were not, but we are with him in the spirit. How do we grow in our communing with the Lord? in our fellowship with the Lord and with one another. That's how we grow. And we especially grow with him because he is eternal life incarnate. We grow in eternal life because we grow in him who is the true God in eternal life. Little children, put aside all your idols. And the other one is Zacharias or Sinus. You've heard that name before. He's the one that provided for us my... Heidelberg Catechism, which is over there. <laughs> but I have it here. And I have it also, by the way, in this old Trinity hymnal, too, in case I forget, forget to, to write it down. Well, Zacharias or Sinus, who was one of the two authors, along with Caspar Olivianus, of the Heidelberg Catechism, way back, almost like right before the onset of the Reformation, right when it was just about to break loose, right around that time frame, in the 15, early 1500s, said the following, every seal is a sign, but not every sign is a seal. Every seal is a sign, meaning that if you're in Christ and you're partaking of this, it is both. It is sign and seal to you. But not every sign is a seal. Meaning you may partake of the sign. You may eat the sign. But like I said, you don't have the seal. You don't have the seal. And how true that is. How true that is. And we, we can relate to that. We can understand that. We can appreciate that. And thanks be to God. But not all have that understanding. And that's why we must teach our children and must teach others disciple them for the kingdom. Do you have the spirit of Christ living in you? Look at one last scripture, Ephesians 1.13. Ephesians 1.13. Which reads, In whom you also trusted, meaning in Christ, or in verse 12. After that you heard the word of the of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after that you believed, you were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. You see, when you are born again, you are sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. And that comes when, approximately at the time when you believe on Christ. I say almost because usually one is born again first. But it's not long after that that you realize that something has happened. Like all of a sudden, the, the, the birds chirping sounds 
more chirpier, you know? And the sun seems more uh, brighter. Or, is that right? Brighter. <laughs> Take out the more. <laughs> brighter. And uh, the sky is bluer. And people just seem to be the same. <laughs> but something happened to you, and you know that you're a different person. And the only thing you can credit that to is him. Just like uh, a younger couple than myself and my wife that we met with, who are family members to the Lontoks. That for me, you know, one of the, the joys I had of this, it was actually a serious counseling session over family matters. And we have many family matters, all of us, you know, not just them. But one of the joys I had is in hearing them talk about their walk with the Lord, and they talk about it so intimately, like, yeah, I've been, I've been so uh, uh, sorry uh, for uh, how my life has been of late, and how I lost my temper when I was dealing with my, my mom and, and, uh, and, and, and my dad, in the case of the other spouse, and, uh, and oh, you know, oh, I know the Lord is not pleased with that, and oh, I just hope that uh, I can live up to his expectations of me better. That's how they were talking. And then when we prayed, about every other line when I prayed, and, and even when I asked uh, uh, the gentleman to pray, uh, would be, Amen. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> so, in a saving way, has God sealed you to the day of redemption. And only in this way have you a right is a privilege. Shall we pray? Oh, Father in heaven, thank you for this uh, study of the Lord's Supper, and may it have been helpful to help us to truly, truly understand what this is about, because so often we are clueless, if not just plain ignorant, about these matters. Such matters are too high for us, as one said in your word. Is too high. I cannot attain unto it. And truly, that is, well, that's the truth. But Lord, by your Spirit and by your Word, we come to understand these things better. We who have the Spirit of God abiding in us, we who have the Lord, Jesus Christ, in our lives. And so, Lord, do this, we pray. And bless uh, now as we uh, would have the Lord's Supper and as we, Lord, would partake of the Lord's Supper together. To the honor and glory of the one of whom this is all about.